Hey, it's episode four of the True North Football Podcast with Joey Alfieri. Big show lined up for you. We're uh, posting a little bit later on uh, in the week. Uh, it's a very simple reason for that. We usually come out on Wednesdays, uh, but we had an opportunity to speak to Montreal Alouette's head coach, Kahari Jones, a little bit later on in the week. So I wanted to save that uh, for the podcast. So I haven't really had a uh, reaction to the Alouettes losing in Edmonton just yet. We'll get to that uh, throughout this episode. And uh, we will play that one-on-one in for you, interview for you uh, with the head coach of the Alouettes, Kahari Jones, which I actually was able to record yesterday uh, after he came in studio uh, and joined us on uh, TSN 690. So uh, it was uh, really cool to catch up with to, uh, with Kahari Jones. Uh, really a, a, a gentleman. Uh, as I think we're starting to figure out here, uh, a quality head coach. And really just a, a sharp football mind. Uh, I asked him about his contract status. The Alouettes mentioned during a press conference on Friday that uh, they're just finalizing the details, but the deal isn't done just yet. Uh, and I asked him how close the deal was. He had a very interesting answer. also asked him uh, about how Vernon Adams came into this season as the number four quarterback on the depth chart. And I asked him straight out, I said, why was he number four on the depth chart? I think that's an answer or that's a question that he hasn't really answered. So uh, it was interesting to get his take on that. So he had a very interesting answer on that too. So uh, we'll get to uh, my interview with Kahari Jones a little bit later on, uh, but do want to start with the game, the East semifinal Going in, I felt really confident that the Owls were going to win. I felt like, you know, this was a team that was really tight. And tight in, in I'm saying tight, not in the in the sense that they played up tight, but tight in the sense that they're really a uh, close group. And I think you saw that. And I'll get to what I saw in the locker room post game because I'd never seen anything like that before. But I, I just want to talk about the game, the approach uh, defensively. And... I'm on the sidelines. If you're a new listener, I, I am the sideline reporter on uh, Montreal Alouette's broadcasts on TSN 690 radio here in Montreal. And I mean, just watching Trevor Harris go to work, like sometimes you've got to tip your cap to the opposing quarterback and you just say, man, he came in here and he gutted uh, the Montreal Alouette's defense. I think there's a couple of things that I maybe would have done a little bit differently going into the matchup, but we know that when it comes to putting cr- pressure on the opposing quarterback, the Alouettes just, they really haven't been able to get the job done for the most part, especially with three and, and four-man rushes. And the blitzes don't didn't seem to really get home either. Um, you know, I think priority number one for the Alouettes this offseason is to find uh, a young defensive end, you know, even if he's a proven CFL guy, that can come in and really disrupt uh, the opposing quarterbacks and the opposing offense in that way by you know putting heat on the quarterbacks it's just it's something they need uh, John Bowman was terrific this year Antonio Simmons had a solid rookie year but they need that number one you know defensive end who you have to pay special attention to and I realized last year you know when Willie Jefferson hit the market it was expensive pass rushers and defensive linemen like Micah Johnson I mean they they just they weren't going for reasonable dollars, but there's a reason for that. Anyways, besides the point right now, but defensive end, clearly a need for the Alouettes. Um, but you just look at that game, and I, I felt like playing soft zone against Trevor Harris probably wasn't the right idea uh, if you're a defensive coordinator, Bob Slowick. And 
I realized that when the uh, when the Eskimos came to Montreal in July, it worked, you know. But there was also, I mean, going back, I watched that game before. I watched it last week before uh, the East semifinal, and you know, there was a lack of execution on the part of Trevor Harris and some of the receivers. But you know, the Alouettes were dropping nine guys into coverage because they knew that the ball comes out of Trevor Harris's hands really fast, and even if you're the best you know, team at getting pressure on the opposing quarterback, there's a very good chance that you're not going to get to Trevor Harris because the ball comes out quickly. And he's one of those quarterbacks that is very much willing to have a 15 play drive that takes like eight minutes. He's willing to eat you up five yards at a time. And I think what made matters worse for the Alouettes was uh, their inability to limit the, those short passes um, and, and the yards after the catch, right? Like a, a five yard out, turned into seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, twelve, even longer sometimes. The air yards uh weren't really there for Trevor Harris for the most part, but uh the sloppy tackling early on, you know, instead of a five yard play, it ended up being double that almost. And I think that was a big problem and, and going to going into the Alouette's locker room, I think the the guys on defense mentioned that that, you know, it was a big issue. And Look, I mean, even in spite of all that, they managed to come back. And, I mean, Trevor Harris had three incompletions of the whole game, which is completely ridiculous. But they were in a position to win the game. As much as they struggled defensively early, I mean, they're down five points after the Woody Barron interception and Vernon Adams score. They're down five. And... You know, I think the stadium, and, and myself included, I think everyone believed once Vernon Adams scored and the Owls got those seven points off turnovers, I think I think everyone kind of just got the sense that, like, all right, they're coming back and they're going to do this again. Like, I saw them do this against Winnipeg. I saw them do this against Calgary. You know, we've seen them come back and win games from behind and win games, you know, a lot of tight games. So I thought, you know, five, five points. They're getting, you know, the defense actually came up with a stop. They're going to march. But then you have that huge uh, Vernon Adams, that second interception that he threw where uh, he admitted after the game that basically he just he, he skipped over the read of the, uh, the of the defensive halfback and he just he didn't see him sitting there and he ends up getting picked off. And unfortunate way for it to end. We've uh, by now, I'm sure you've seen the visuals of uh, Vernon Adams and, uh, you know, crying in Christian Matt's arms and how emotional that whole situation was. I mean, that's Vernon Adams' first playoff game, first playoff defeat. And, and that's the thing about football. It's like you're, you lose one, you're done. And so it's very, you know, as good as you're feeling going into the week and going into the game, you lose that one playoff game at home, you're, you know, season's over. You know, you're talking about having a meet the media session on Monday and you're clearing out your locker, clearing out your apartment, you're out of here. And it's a very quick turnaround. And, and going into that Alouette's locker room after the loss, I, I never seen anything like that. Like the like guys were in tears, like really broken up. And, and you got the sense just talking to a lot of these guys that are, you know, hugging it out and crying and. And like really emotional stuff. Like I've seen teams get eliminated from the playoffs before. You know, I've seen teams be emotional, sad, uh, frustrated, and angry. But I never seen anything like that. And if there was any doubt in anybody's mind that you know this group 
wasn't you know in it for themselves that this group was in it for the collective i think you really got your answer i know not everyone gets the luxury of going into the locker room after the game but um let me tell you firsthand like there were guys like not just crying like we're talking about guys that are that were weeping and i don't think it's just because they lost but i think it's because they realized that you know there's a good chance that this team is is not going to be dismantled but there's gonna be a lot of guys who are not going to be back that's that's just the reality is there's guys that aren't going to be back and you're never going to play with this same locker room again. And I think once you bond to that point where most people in the country didn't have you making the playoffs and most people in the country had you as the worst team in the league, um, you had no owner. The general manager was let go early on in the season. The coach was fired and replaced six days before the start of the season. You, you really, you know, I know there's a lot of teams that develop that us against the world mentality, but like this team was really us against the world. Nobody gave them a chance. So I give them credit and I totally understand why they're so emotional and why they're so broken up about it because I think you had a group that really felt like they could get to Grey Cup. Now the Alloys won't be going to Grey Cup. I will be. I'll be in Calgary uh, next week and I'm hoping to do some uh, some really fun, cool interviews with some different people that are there and uh, hoping to record uh, maybe one, maybe two podcasts, uh, just uh, previewing the Grey Cup and getting different uh, player and reporter perspectives from there. So I'll be at the Grey Cup. But just really sad that, you know, the Alouettes are are, are not going to be there. Not even that they're not going to be there. Just that, you know, the adventure didn't continue at least another week. Uh, I Listen, again, I, I've told you guys this on the first three episodes of uh, the True North Football Podcast, but I thought that on paper – the Montreal Alouettes were the second best team in the division. And they end up proving me right. Now, I didn't envision, you know, Kahari Jones taking over. I didn't think that Vernon Adams would be the starting quarterback. But I still felt like, you know, this was a team assembled by Kavis Reed that was good enough to make the playoffs and, and maybe cause a surprise. I'll be honest with you, had they beaten Edmonton, I would not have picked them to beat Hamilton. But... I think that's the matchup everybody outside of Edmonton wanted to see. And I'm sad that we're not going to get to see Montreal-Hamilton because those two teams don't like each other. And both teams have attitude. Both teams have guys who talk. And I was really – that's the matchup I was rooting for. I told you guys this last week. And uh, not going to lie, that's – it was pretty pretty disappointing. I was getting ready, thought I was going to go to Hamilton, cover that game. But uh, it wasn't meant to be. So – uh, all the best to the teams this weekend playing Edmonton, Hamilton, and uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. But I do think that Alouettes and Tiger Cats would have been the most entertaining matchup of all. Although Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, uh, that one should be uh, that one should be interesting. I'll make my picks at the end of the show, like I did last week. Uh, for those of you scoring at home, I was a big O for two last week. I took the two home teams. The two home teams ended up losing, uh, so I'll save my picks uh, for the end of the show. But look. I think if you're a Montreal Alouettes fan, and it's interesting because I know that the Alouettes fans that I spoke to, the hardcores, were disappointed. But I think everybody, once you've been you know, on this train ride for the last five years, I think you quickly realize that this was a big step forward and a big positive step for, for the Alouettes. You appear to have a head coach. You appear to have a quarterback who is ready to continue to, to improve. And, 
you know, there are some question marks on the team. There are some holes on the roster. We still don't know who the owner is going to be. We still don't know who the general manager is going to be. But I think for the most part, you could be disappointed if you're an Alice fan that they didn't go further. But you have to realize that, you know, this ship has done a total 180. And that's that's significant. That's significant because you really felt like, you know, that love that love affair with the Alouettes was back. And I think it can continue to grow. I think people were still skeptical, although, I mean, they did have over 20,000 people uh, at the game, the East semifinal. They took off a lot of the tarps. There was only two small sections that were tarped off uh, at Molson Stadium. But you look at the progress and you look at, you know, the interest that's been renewed with the Montreal Alouettes. And I, and I think, you know, you can't help but feel, no matter what happened in the playoffs, that, it's been a really successful year overall. And I think once the coaches and once the players, you know, get to step away and, you know, they get to digest that loss to Edmonton, I think a lot of those players and, and coaches and, you know, front office, I think they're going to realize that this is a, um, a significant stepping stone and, and the foundation has now been set and there's some critical things that need to be done and that need to be accomplished over the next little while. but you have the sense at the very least that the building blocks are there. No, it's just up to front office, the CFL, the other owners not to screw this up. And I don't think they will. I think everything is going to turn out to be fine. And I think this is going to be year one of a massive project and a massive successful project for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, and I couldn't be happier for the team. I couldn't be happier for the city. And I couldn't be happier for uh, for the players, everybody involved. Really just a, a fantastic job this year. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, had an opportunity uh, to speak to Alouette's head coach, Kahari Jones. We'll play that for you here in the next little while. Uh, asked him a whole bunch of questions. We got into his, uh, his post-game speeches, that emotional one after the loss to Edmonton that have basically gone viral online. Uh, the Alouettes have done a really good job uh, getting those out there. We've never really seen the coaches speak week after week after week after week in the locker room, but uh, they really pulled back the curtain this year. And Kahari Jones uh, shed some light on those speeches and how uh, and, and where they come from. And uh, and I also asked him if his family gives him any grief uh, over those speeches. So we shared a laugh. Uh, so we will talk about that a little bit later on. Also, I mentioned earlier, asked him about the contract and how close it is to being done. Uh, and we talked about why Vernon Adams started the year as the number four quarterback on the depth chart. I think a lot of people outside of Montreal forget that. It was Antonio Pipkin one. Jeff Matthews was in the mix to be the backup. Matthew Schiltz, who's still around, ended up being the backup, uh, was third on the depth chart. And Vernon Adams came in at number four. So uh, we'll, we get into that with Kahari Jones. We'll play that for you. Uh, just a couple of minutes, uh, but wanted to talk about the uh, meet the media session with Patrick Boave and Jones uh, that ended up going down on Friday. Uh, for those outside of Montreal, you may not know, it was scheduled on Thursday at 1 o'clock Eastern, but they ended up pushing it back because the Montreal Impact Major League Soccer team here in Montreal announced that Thierry Henry, a former French international and, and just great <laughs> attacking player, uh, it became head coach, and they made that announcement on Thursday morning. So the Alouettes didn't want to be uh, overshadowed. They wanted their own day, and I think they did the right thing. They ended up moving it over to Friday. And so I'm coming into this um, with, you know, I had done some digging 
around the team, around the league, uh, and around Kahari Jones just to see if the deal wasn't, if, if an extension between he and the club just wasn't done. And from all the people that I had spoken to, um, everybody told me, a lot of sources told me that the deal wasn't done. And I was skeptical about what I was being told, truthfully. Um, and there are good sources for the most part. But it just seemed like they've really, everybody involved wants to keep this uh, close to the vest. And uh, they nothing's really leaked uh, in regards to an extension uh, with Gahari Jones. We don't know if things are going poorly or we didn't know if things were going uh, really well. But everyone I spoke to told me that the deal wasn't done. And still, I remained skeptical because I just felt like if Patrick Boivin and Kahari Jones were meeting the media together on Friday, it could get a little awkward with some of the questions that were going to be thrown their way about the negotiations. And then uh, to give you guys a little behind the scenes as well, uh, we had set it up with the Alouettes on uh, Thursday morning uh, that Kahari Jones would join us uh, in studio. Uh, I work on a, on a TSN 690 show that runs 3 to 7, Monday to Friday. Uh, and they told us on Thursday that they were willing to bring Kahari Jones into studio on Friday. And to me, I just figured if they're willing to bring this guy into studio to answer our questions, then a deal must be done. But that went against everything that I had heard Um Leading up to this, leading up to this press conference, because again, sources that I was talking to, uh, in in every direction, were telling me that the, that the deal wasn't done, and I just I had a hard time believing that. And so when the presser started, I wasn't there yesterday, but I was following along on uh, on TV. And when Patrick Boivin made his opening remarks, uh, remarks, I was just I was expecting him to say, and finally, you know, we've signed the contract extension with Kahari Jones but that never came and I was hanging on to every word and hanging on to every word and uh, it just it didn't end up happening that way and I know that I felt I felt kind of disappointed because I was hoping that they'd announce an extension for uh, a guy who came into a really tough situation and who got the players to buy in and they bought in and I don't I mean I don't even I don't even think it's a it's a buy-in I mean it's way more than that he connected with them and you've seen the results, you know, and you saw after the game just how everybody, every player went to bat for Kahari Jones. And it was on this very podcast uh, last week when we spoke to Enoch Mwamba. Enoch Mwamba told us on the show that he was, he, while he was on with us, he closed his eyes, he visualized the Alouette's locker room, and he said that he could not think of one player who did not like or get along with Kahari Jones. And that's rare. And listen, even if there was a player or if there was a group of players, I mean, Enoch Mwamba wouldn't tell us anyway. <laughs> that's that's the reality. But just being on the outside looking in, but being close to this team all year, I believe it. Like, I think there might be a few players who have an issue with, you know, playing time and stuff like that. But you look at the majority and everybody went to bat for him. Everybody. Vernon Adams, John Bowman, William Stanback. I mean, all these guys, the stars to the special teamers. I mean, they all went to bat for Kahari Jones. So I think it's important that this gets done. But as Patrick Boivet mentioned, it's a question of 
figuring out some small details. And yes, in an ideal world, they end up announcing that contract extension at that press conference on Friday. And I think everybody's happy. Now you have a, a fraction of the fan base that is sad, disappointed, and worried that the deal's not done. And if they were willing to move that press conference a day, a lot of people have brought up, well, why weren't they willing to move it a couple of days, finalize these small details, and get it done? Now, the thing I'll tell you is this. Um, next week is, is Grey Cup week. And for the most part, I don't think the league wants major announcements, major storylines uh, to overshadow what's going on at the Grey Cup. So I guess they probably gave themselves, and again, this is just me, guessing and looking at the situation logically. I'm guessing that they realized the two sides, the Alice and Kahari Jones's camp and his agent Gil Scott, they realized that they could not come to terms uh, on an agreement before the Wednesday or the Friday, excuse me, press conference. And next week is Grey Cup week. And you don't want to have major announcement Grey Cup week because like, like I said, you don't want to overshadow what's going down at the Grey Cup. So they've just decided that they're going to keep negotiating. But, I mean, I have to take everybody involved at their word. And we'll hear from Kari Jones in, in a minute or two. But the truth of the matter is, everybody says they're close. Both sides opened up and said that it was a question of, of details. And I have no choice but to take everybody at their word. Now, if it falls apart... And it crumbles, and that comes back to bite the Alouettes. We'll criticize them then. But right now, if we're told that it's details, small details, then I have to take them at their word, and I have to take. And it just—it seems like, you know, the assumption is again, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we spent about thirty to forty-five minutes in studio with Kahari Jones, and you can listen to that interview, by the way, on the TSN six ninety podcast page. That's at tsn.ca/slash/Montreal. Click on audio and the page will be there. It's a, it's a really good interview with, with Gahari Jones, who was really truthful with us. Um, so once you're done listening to him uh, on this podcast, uh, you can go listen to him uh, right there on uh, online uh, at tsn690.ca. Um, I asked some different questions. I took the interview in a different direction. But in both cases, he provides an update on uh, the contract status. And so... Look, I'm not worried yet. In an ideal world, you end up getting the contract signed, sealed, delivered by Friday, but it wasn't. The press conference has come and gone, but I think people need to realize the contract expires December 31st. And I realize Alouette's fans are nervous about this. They don't want anyone to drop the ball, but there's time here. Time is still on the Alouette's side, but they've got to close. They've got to close quickly. And this was not, I got into this discussion with some colleagues and actually Chris Milo, uh, who was a, a guest of the podcast last week as well, was a fantastic interview with Milo. We got a lot of good feedback on that one as well. Um, Chris Milo was tweeting that, you know, this should be a simple negotiation. Just give them the dollars and give them the term and move on because it's so hard to find a coach. And I agree with all that. But by CFL standards, these deals aren't easy. He's got all the leverage. Kahari Jones has it all. The players went to bat for him. The fans are going to bat for him. The media is going to bat for him. And rightfully so. But this was never going to be a simple negotiation. 
There are no owners. There is no general manager. That's complicated. Kahari Jones wants to know who his boss is going to be. And the fact that we don't know who the general manager is going to be, you're going to have to make up for that in some way. You're going to have to give Kahari Jones that extra security, that extra year on the contract maybe, or that extra money on the contract that you normally wouldn't have to give, but now you do because you don't have a general manager. He's a hot commodity, and we've never seen the amount of openings potentially uh, that we could see this offseason when it comes to the head coaching gigs. So it, it was never going to be a simple negotiation. And I realized that the amounts of money in the CFL aren't comparable to the NHL, the NFL, or any other ma- major league. But that's what makes it more complicated is that everything is relative. The contracts are smaller, but the budget you're operating with is smaller. This was going to be a complex negotiation from the beginning. Because everybody's going to bat for Kahari Jones. But the Alouettes, I'm sure, have a budget that they need to respect. And now there's a cap as well. Kahari Jones has to realize that he can break the bank all he wants. But it just means that the people he surrounds himself with, you maybe won't be able to get everybody that you want if you eat up too much of that budget. And I think he realizes that. I don't think Kahari Jones is in it uh, to, to break the bank. I think Kahari Jones is in it to... Um, to be compensated fairly, which I think is something that we all want, which is more than reasonable. And I think I do think that this is not necessarily just coming down to money. I think there are you know issues like security in his job that he you know that a normal head coach would get that he won't get because there's no general manager. Anyway, uh, had an opportunity to speak to Kahari Jones. Listen to this interview. Very curious to get your thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Alfieri if you have a question or comment about the show. Uh, and here is my sit down with Alouette's head coach Kahari Jones. All right, coach, thanks for uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes to to sit down with me here. Just uh, disappointed, obviously, that the season ended a little earlier than you guys had hoped. But are you able to look at it big picture and see like how far you guys came this year? Yeah, I, I'm starting to. You know, I mean, of course, you're disappointed and felt like we had a good chance to win that last game, but. Uh, I'm starting to see it, and and uh, I, I feel I feel proud of the guys, you know, just to uh, from where you know people might have thought we were going to be to to uh, to be, become second place in the in the East is is uh, yeah, it's quite an accomplishment, and I I, I do realize that, and so uh, now it's now it's now it's on to kind of what's next almost, <laughs> and then thinking about that, and so it never never stops. So I mean, you found out you're going to be the head coach six days before the season. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point did you realize, like you always believed the team was going to be good, but at what point did you see it on the field? Like when did you realize you had something special? Yeah, uh, you know, fourth quarter of that first game, it really was. You know, when we when we came back versus Edmonton, when we tied that game up, I just saw the the battle that the guys had. You know, uh, you, you worry sometimes if if uh, your team, uh, the team was was beaten down from you know previous years or, or what's happened in the past and I didn't see any of that I saw just guys that were willing to to fight and claw and uh, get back against a very good Edmonton team and and so as soon as I saw that I told him in the locker room I'm like we're gonna win a lot of games we and I felt that I really did and and uh, luckily it you know we got our first win uh, two 
two games after that, and then uh, then got the ball rolling. So uh, it was it was nice. Those videos that the team posts of you uh, post, like how much do you see those? How much did the family give you grief over those at all? <laughs> uh, no grief, really. No grief. I hear about them, or somebody will try to send it. I try to avoid them, uh, but I. Yeah, it's 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 fine, and I think yeah, I, I know our our, uh, our our social media department does a really good job and stuff of, of doing that. Maybe I'll watch some, but I, you know, it's hard, always hard to watch yourself, especially after a game or emotional game or or, or whatever the case may be. But it, it's. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I've I've gotten really nice responses from them and stuff. They know at least I'm real. I don't I don't worry. Uh, maybe with the acting stuff, I don't worry about the camera so much, so I don't think about it too much, which is which is good. And I just talk to my guys. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I did get grief for cussing too much, so I tried to. <laughs> but uh, but I'm talking to the guys, so sometimes you, you sometimes you gotta cuss, but <laughs> sometimes it comes out. But yeah, yeah. So I, I heard a few things here and there. I thought you cleaned it up really nicely, like. For the last few, you didn't really have, you didn't cuss too much. But I just like, was that something you did as a player too? Because I'll be honest with you, like I wasn't even in the locker room. I'm just watching the video, and like I'm ready to, like I'm ready to strap them on. And I've never strapped them on before. I just watch, coach. <laughs> I, you know, you have you have a gift for for giving. Did you did you do that as a player too? Not really, not really. I, I was pretty. I was pretty quiet as a as a player for the most part. I mean, I get going on the field, and and they see that side of me, but. Um, that's why I say it's always kind of been inside, and that's probably why yeah people may have underestimated me over the years because they don't <laughs> think that I have that in me or or something like that. But it, it's uh yeah it's it's a uh, it's a fired up game, and that fire has always been inside of me, and 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 the passion to to win and and to fight and to battle, it's always been there. Now as a head coach, I feel like I've been able to just get that out to the players and I want them if if they don't take anything else away from me I just want them to take that 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 fight and that and that battle that that uh, that just rages in me and I want them to have that when they go out onto the field why coming into the season why was Vernon fourth on the depth chart um <laughs> that's a good question um I think mainly because of what had had transpired before that when we got him uh last year uh he he come from Hamilton and he was uh he was in their camp as a receiver and so even in practice last year he was he was playing some quarterback but he was playing receiver he was playing so we didn't just get an opportunity to see um who he was or what he can fully do i'd known he had the ability because i'd seen him in in college it's funny because we had his rights when i was in bc uh we had his rights uh coming out of college and i was very excited to uh to to have vernon with us unfortunately he was traded to montreal before that happened and so it's it's kind of nice that it's come full circle and I've, I've been able to coach him now because uh the talent there was undeniable it was just kind of focusing it and getting getting him uh, to to truly focus on on the art of playing quarterback and and he's he's taken that to heart and you you see the you see the results and uh, just the final one for you again thanks for doing this uh, Patrick Boivet mentioned today that uh, it was close to being finalized there's some details how I mean how close are you I, I feel like we're pretty close uh, yeah uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's always a tough thing, and I, I try not to talk about it too much until everything is signed because, you know, things happen. And But I, I feel pretty confident. I feel confident enough to, to talk about it uh, today. And, and, and uh, um, I, I feel like both it's, it's something that both of us want uh, and, and that uh, the, the team wants. And so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it happens pretty soon here, and, and then we can get on to, uh, to, to playing football. Thanks for the description. Yep. There it is. He's confident that the two sides are going to be able to get the job done. And I know during the press conference on Friday, he was rather quiet uh, when it came to, you know, uh, Patrick Boivin went out on a limb and said that the deal was close to being done. Kahari Jones didn't mention that in the press conference, but I think Al's fans, uh, that was pretty clear what he just said to me right there, that he's confident and they're expecting to be back. And I, I, at this point right now, I can just take everybody at their word. And I think that he will be back unless, you know, I'm told otherwise, uh, that's what I'll believe. Uh, it's been real fun. Episode four, uh, is, uh, in the books here. A reminder, I will be going to Calgary for a great cup. I'll be set up there. Uh, as of Wednesday, we'll be recording at least one show from great cup and then we'll have the great cup recap. Uh, the following week and then we get to go into some off-season stuff and some different storylines that uh, I'd like to tackle if you have any suggestions things that you want to get my takes on again it's at Joey Alfieri on Twitter my DMs are open you can tweet me directly get into my mentions or you can DM me a special thanks to uh, the Montreal Alouettes and head coach Kahari Jones for taking the time uh, and making himself available uh, for the podcast and uh, I'll leave you with uh, my great cup picks or my picks, you know, the two teams I think will make it to the Grey Cup. Last week, 0 for 2. A little embarrassing. I took the two home teams, Calgary and Montreal, let me down. This week, I'm feeling Hamilton. I had Hamilton going all the way to the Grey Cup from the start of the year. And I think they'll get it done coming out of the East. In the West, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with the... Uh, oh, what the heck. So I had, at the beginning of the year, I had Hamilton and Winnipeg making it to a Grey Cup. And I went against Winnipeg last week, and I paid the price. I'm going to go against them this week, too. I know Fajardo's banged up, and uh, the Riders have kept his status pretty hush. It sounds like he's going to play, but they don't know how much. I think the Riders get the job done at home. I'm going with the two home teams again. I think it's going to be Saskatchewan, to, uh, Hamilton, uh, Grey Cup. And if it is that... Uh, I'll make my picks next week uh, on that. Like I said, I am going to Calgary. So if you are there and you see me, stop me, uh, say hey. Try not to rough me up too much uh, over my picks. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Really appreciate uh, all the feedback we've gotten. from. Uh, I know there's a lot of players that have reached out, uh, said they've listened, and they really appreciate the honesty. A lot of fans have reached out. Uh, the podcast just keeps growing and growing, and we're getting more and more listens every week. So really appreciate the support. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Enjoy the playoffs this weekend, and we'll see you at Grey Cup.